With the key to our relationship with the Lord, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. The key in our relationship with God, if he's the gardener, he is, he's the husbandman, Jesus taught us, then our response is what? To abide. And so a person that's caught up in performance-based relationship with God will say something like this. Okay, Ed, I got the message. My responsibility is abide, and I need to abide, and I'm going to abide. And then you have taken abiding and made it a work so that when you abide, you feel better, and when you don't abide, you beat yourself up. This is amazing grace. This is In our fast-paced, high-performance world, we've gone from do your best and commit the rest to do your best, then stress, stress, stress. But there's a better way, and we'll hear about that today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. That better way is found in Hebrews chapter 10. It's there we discover the privileged access provided by Jesus, not to a factory, but to a garden where we need only abide, not perform. Here's Pastor Ed. Whole churches and whole movements have been made around different rules and different regulations to help people feel like they're right with God. I mean, whole things like the way you dress, the length of your skirt, ladies, uh, how, whether you wear makeup or not, the language you use, there's a thousand different, the car you drive, there's all kinds of things that are laid out before us that really are secondary matters to the primary matter of God's love for you. And on a simpler scale, when you fail, many people feel like God loves them less when they fail and loves them more when they succeed. It is simply not the case. God loves you despite your performance. God loves us. He loves us despite our performance. You come and you think, well, I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to do a little better. I'm going to give a little more tithes. I'm going to do this more. And then just maybe God will hear me. But that's not God at all. He loves you no matter what. By faith in Jesus Christ, he loves you. I was thinking about this in, in light of sports. You know, just before service yesterday, I received a text notifying me that my football team lost in overtime. First of all, those people were not very nice to tell me that right before service. But it reminded me, even if they lose, they're still my team. I'm not happy about the loss, but they're my team. So they're not going to discourage me. I'm kind of bummed out what happened, but, but they're my team. You know, and they lost. You know, you Bronco fans, you totally understand this. <laughs> you Rockies fans really understand it. It's one of the things, it's one of the things that I've appreciated about Colorado that I didn't experience in Southern California, and that is an intense loyalty in sports through the ups and the downs, which have been many downs and a few ups. And sometimes the, that loyalty will be spoken down upon, like, oh, I wish you were more loyal to Jesus like you were. Look, look, don't, that, that's not the point. 
I just want you to know, if you're a loyal fan of sports, that inside of you resides a loyalty that will be greater enhanced when you point that toward the Lord. Like, it's in you. It doesn't matter if your team goes, oh, in how many games in a season? 16? Oh, in 16. You might be upset. You might not like it. But that's my team. And then what happens? What happens for the last 20 years? Here, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Why? Because of that, you love your team, good or bad. Now, what we do in simple sports, think of it from God, God's perspective. He loves you, win or lose. He loves you. Now, you may not feel that, but you have to take that feeling and submit it to God. Say, no, I know I don't feel that because I I feel like I'm a loser. I, I feel like I've lost. And let me just say, If you've lost, you have failed, God still loves you by faith in Jesus Christ. And he invites you to enter in in a new and living way of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So separate from sports for a second and just think the things that that plague us are rooted sometimes in our conscience. Like our conscience is bugging us. Or we're beating ourselves up for something years ago. Uh, We lost an opportunity and we have regrets. But... Hebrews covers that. Notice, it says, come back to Hebrews 10 with me. Up at the top there in verse 22, I think it is. Yeah, 22. So this covers it. It says, let us draw near with a true heart. So how do we have a true heart? But by faith in Jesus Christ. And full assurance of faith because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies purified for the work of God. It is all the work of God so that by faith we believe that what he has done is sufficient. And what do we do? We enter in. We enter in. We don't turn away, but we come boldly. That confident speech, man. We are confident in what God said, so we enter in. Some of you are in church today living out this verse. You have decided to enter in boldly. You look back on it, your last year or two, you look back on your last few months, you go, man, they haven't been good months, but I'm boldly entering in. I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to follow him with all that I have. I want to finish my race well. And God receives you today. But some of you are here today, some of you might listening in on the radio or watching online that you think somehow church attendance makes you closer to God. Or showing up at a building with others makes you closer to God. And you know it doesn't. Now, you're in a great atmosphere, and God's going to speak to you. He's going to minister to you. But whether you come to church or not doesn't make you closer to God. And you go, Ed, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. God's love for you has no bearing whatsoever whether you go to church or not. And you're saying, well, Ed, if I hear you correctly, does that mean I never have to come back to church again? That's exactly what I'm saying. You never have to go to church ever again your entire life. You never have to pray to God ever again your entire life. You you never have to give your tithes and offerings ever again your entire life. Because your new relationship with Jesus, the new and living way, is not described by have to. You guys with me so far? It's described by get to. So we don't show up and go, I have to be there because I have to please God. No. It's not have to. I get to. My life has changed. My time with you is an 
is a response for the love of God in my life. When I put in my tithe and offering in the box or I do it online, that's my response to God's love. When I serve and I sign up and I want to serve the kids, all this alternative, I do it because I love God. I do it because I'm wanting to please God. I'm doing it because he first loved me and now my life has changed. It's not have to. I don't have to do anything. By faith in Jesus Christ now, I get to go in a new and living way. It's not the deadness of old religion that is just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's the new and living way of grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ that radically changes your life. Love is the greatest motivator on the planet Earth. It will move mountains and seem like it is done at such great ease. We get to. You know, God's he's not running a factory, you know. <laughs> As a, Pastor Chuck Smith taught us this, I love it. Stuck with me forever. Sometimes we look at God like a factory manager, you know. And he's just looking for production. You know, you've got to do this and you've got to do more. And we've got to have efficiency. And if we did one thing last week, we've got to do two things this week. But God's not, he's not looking, his focus in us is not production. You're not an assembly line. It's not measured how much we do, how much you've done, how much you haven't done. How much, it's not that at all. If there's a picture of God in the Bible, it's not a factory manager. The greatest picture of God when it comes to us is as a gardener. He's a gardener. And what do gardeners do? They take care of the garden. And what comes from a gardener taking care of the garden? Fruit. Fruit. I was telling a young girl in the back today, uh, we were talking about all the rabbits in my neighborhood. Do you guys have rabbits in your neighborhood? It's a different Bible study altogether. <laughs> and so I was telling her, she's really young, she's probably four or five. And we were talking before service and, and we were talking, you know, those rabbits. My wife, Marie, will go get these beautiful flowers and she'll plant them. And I'm telling you, within minutes, every rabbit in the neighborhood is in our front yard eating those flowers like they think we put them out for them. You know what she said? She said, well, you should probably plant carrots then. <laughs> Simple. Because a gardener takes care of the garden. Weeds, fertilizes, plants the appropriate things. Because God is so in love with you tending your life, caring for you. When everyone's abandoned you, God hasn't abandoned you. When all hope is lost, God is hope. Hope is not a thing. Hope is a person. The person and work of Jesus Christ. He died and rose again. He is alive right now. That by faith in him, your abiding relationship strengthens you. So, so here's what happens, and we'll wind down here. The key in our relationship with God, if he's the gardener, he is, he's the husbandman, the Bible Jesus taught us, then our response is what? To abide. And so a person that's caught up in performance-based relationship with God will say something like this, okay, Ed, I got the message. My responsibility is abide, and I need to abide, and I'm going to abide. And then you have taken abiding and made it a work. So that when you abide, you feel better. And when you don't abide, you beat yourself up. But abiding, another word for abiding is actually not a, it's not a work. 
Think of it this way. Abiding means to seek effort and energy in order to try to please God and just receiving it. The word just means to stay put. And what is the greatest need aside from salvation, aside for the forgiveness of sin? What's the greatest need in, among humans today? I'll tell you, Jesus told us what it was. You might be surprised, but everybody is striving for this, whether they're going after a lot of money, whether they're going after a career, whether they like power and control, whatever people are chasing after, there's one thing that motivates them and one thing that deep inside they don't have that they're really desperate for. Maybe I'm speaking to you today. I'll tell you what you're looking for. You're looking for true rest. You go, what do you mean? Well, Jesus put it this way. He said, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, exchange them because you'll receive rest for your soul. Rest is found through abiding. It's not a work. It's a release. You know, at times when you were worshiping together in song, there'll be this move and motivation in you to raise your hands up like this. One of the things that you're doing by raising your hands is you, this is a sign of surrender. When you put your hands up, you're, you're in a vulnerable place. You're, all your midsection's open and, and you're, you're up, you're surrendered. And when you think of surrender, you think of abiding. Like, for example, we're waiting for our bags. What did worry really do? Worry did absolutely nothing but make things worse in my mind. But we boldly entered into the presence of God with all our cares and concerns. A peace that passes all understanding immediately was mine. A peace. Now, did my circumstances change? No. And that's something that trips people up. You're battling with me in your mind right now, you're saying, but Ed, I, I, I've entered in, I keep entering in, and it just doesn't work because things haven't changed. You've got the whole, you've got it all wrong. You're not entering in for things to change. You're entering in because God loves you. He wants fellowship with you. Pain and problems are gonna be ours until we meet Jesus face to face. We're not gonna be able to get around it. We live in a sin-soaked world that has filled our lives with pain and problems. Whether it's our own doing, and we have plenty that are our own doing, our own sin, or the sin of someone else. And the rest that comes is not by some activity, not by a bunch of works. The true rest of God is found by faith, believing what God said, entering in a new and living way. We don't bring a sacrifice any longer. We don't wait for someone to represent us. We, we don't hope that God receives it. He is Jesus Christ on the cross. One of the things, the final things he said is it is finished. And by faith, we enter in. And as you'll see in our coming weeks, you get to chapter 11, it's all about faith. A bunch of history lessons of people that have gone before us by faith, by faith, by faith. God is not a factory manager. He's a gardener. And he's taking care of us. One final thing. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Because we've got to get the order right when it comes to works. Now the Bible's clear that good works are to come from our lives. Not because we have to, but because we get to. And the Bible's clear that we are saved not by works, but for good works. The Bible's very clear that we're to be hearers of the word 
and doers of the word. Jesus was very clear. He said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. There are actions and activities that flow from our lives, but we've got to have the right order. And here we get the right order in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You feel like this is beyond you. You feel like you, you don't have the ability to, to abide and enjoy. Here's the order and the encouragement as we leave. Verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you like to write in your Bibles or circle on your iPad, work out. Work out. There is a working out. Notice it doesn't say work for. There is a working out of our faith. Change lives from the inside out. Work out. Now, if you pause there, you just might feel like, you know, my whole responsibility is to work, work, work for God. But he doesn't, it's a sentence. And in verse 13, we have the reason, the word for. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So circle that word, those phrase, works in. We have two things here that Paul's telling us. There's the work in and there's the work out. Work in always comes first. And that's what Paul says. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God has already worked in us to do and to will. He's worked in us. It's his work in us that leads to us working out. It's not the other way around. It's not, I'm going to work out my salvation so that God can do something in me. God has already done something in you. Now you just respond out of obedience and faith. And notice what he does. There's two things that God does in all of our lives. Number one, he works in us the will. That's the desire. You have new desires. I mean, some of you are contemplating things that, to serve God that you never thought of in your entire life. Why? Because God's working in you. Sometimes people will come up after a service and go, you know, Pastor Ed, I got this desire to minister to my neighborhood and pass out flyers and, and minister and, and maybe make cookies for the kids and have a little kids club. Do you, do you think I should do that? And one of the ways, of course, I'm going to say, of course, do it. It's under the Lord. But one of the ways I'll explain that is, well, let's think about that for a second. Do you really think that desire came from the devil? And I want them to understand that God's speaking to them. Do you think the devil really cares about your neighbors? That the devil wants you making your famous cookies uh, so that the kids will know that you're the cookie lady and that they can come to your house anytime and you give stuff away and you talk about God? Do you think that came from the devil? And, of course, the response is, no. Why? Because the Bible says that God works in you to will. He gave you the care for those kids. And he also works in you to do for his good pleasure. Which is disruptive for us. We think sometimes it's, we're supposed to do for our good pleasure. <laughs> but it's not. No, our lives are, are wrapped up in the will of God. He bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So it's not my way anymore. It's his way. A works-based relationship with God will only lead to frustration and condemnation. You know, imagine that you spend your whole life, somebody told you along the way in a church you attended, you know, God really likes apple pies. And so you better make him a good apple pie when you meet him in heaven. And you go, okay, so you've dedicated your whole life to find the perfect apple pie recipe. You have flown around the world You've got this spice and this special apple and this, and you have baked 500,000 apple pies till you finally got the one 
that you have right before you pass away and enter into the presence of God, you've got the apple pie. And you're there in the presence of the Lord and you bow down and you hand him the pie. And God says, what's this? And you say, well, I heard your favorite pie is apple pie. And I've spent my whole life working to please you with the best apple pie that I could possibly give to you. And God says, my favorite pie is not apple, it's cherry. (laughs) And really, the illustration is this. You could spend your whole life working to please God, but he's already pleased with you. He doesn't need you to make an apple pie for him or a cherry pie. He, He doesn't want you to do for him He wants you. That solves all the problems. That solves the issues in your life. Abiding is not an act that you do. Abiding is a moment by moment surrender to the love and grace of God. And so I invite you to do that. Boldly enter in. I invite you to boldly enter in to receive the very person of God. He's not asking you to find and work hard and he's not asking you to to fly around the world to please him. To somehow, man, you're going to make it up. You know, you you just feel like you you raised in a home where you just feel like you've got to do things to make, to please other people. To make people proud of you. When by faith in Jesus Christ, God loves you. He lavishes his love on you. And when you abide in him, great things will flow from your life. Great things, indeed. You have God's Word on it. Well, thanks for hanging out with us here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? If so, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. You can search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor, or listen to us through Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, you mentioned that when you have an idea to reach out in some way, it's the Lord speaking and not the flesh or the devil giving that idea to you. Can you elaborate on that? How can we be sure it's the Lord? Well, I'm always reminded of the motives of the devil. The motives of the devil is to kill, steal, and destroy. So that desire, Larry, to reach out, to encourage, to strengthen, to spread the love of God, to plant seeds of righteousness is absolutely 100% not from the devil. You know it's from the Lord using you to encourage, to help, to build up. And selflessness is from the Lord. So to reach out in selflessness, we know is not from the devil. It's not our own selfish motives. Selfishness is not from God. Self, selfishness is the exact opposite of the selfless giving of the Lord. And, and so I just know, it's, it, I know it was kind of a silly thing, wasn't it, to say, but I just needed people. I just felt like our church and, and now you listening in to, to our radio broadcast just needed to know, just act on those promptings. Act on those promptings. And let me just say this. This is true in reaching out to your pastor, too. Like, you're just like, oh, he's so busy, and oh, I don't know, he's the pastor and I'm not. No, if the Lord has placed your pastor on your heart, email him, call him. If you have his number, text him. Wait till after service and encourage him. It is from the Lord. And, and I am certain if the Lord has put your pastor on your heart, or a friend, or a co-worker, or a family member, or a neighbor, 
it is there is a reason for it. And even though you may not know the reason, even though you may not experience it, I promise you it was from the Lord and it is important and imperative for us to obey the Lord. So do it. Help someone. Serve. Encourage. Know that the Lord is using you and prompting you to be obedient. Very good. Thanks again. Now, this month, we're featuring an excellent book by our friend in the ministry, Gail Irwin. It's called The Jesus Style. When Jesus taught us that the greatest must become like a servant, what was he driving at? Well, we find the answer by studying the life of Jesus and his style of ministry. It is totally opposed to our natural leanings, so we need some help. Request a copy of The Jesus Style today when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also now order resources like this through our new e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Hebrews. Join Pastor Ed Taylor each day as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.